now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, horror hounds. Um, listen, the old Crypt Keepers has a little problem in, in, in the old vault here. Um, <sighs> the other night I, I was listening to some Sammy Davis Jr. greatest hits and gazing into the mirror and ever since then I've had this bee infestation and I keep waking up gutted completely gutted somebody or the bees are gutting me I don't know what's going on I just know I gotta ow ow I gotta deal with this I haven't to be honest with you had time to watch this movie it's called Candyman and maybe it's about a clown or a Halloween poisoner. I don't know. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. would like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. And I can't do this show by myself would not be the vault way of doing it so left to right across your podcast dial here are my co-hosts introducing first two true freaks og mr chris honeywell can't fix that better off dead <laughs> very true very true uh up next my brother mr jason giaconetti helen be careful there could be someone on the toilet <laughs> and rounding out our quartet of freaks Hair metal hero Chris Tyler. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for if not for shedding? Sorry, I couldn't do a funny one. Yep. <laughs> any I'm laughing. This is a half riot. Yeah, this is not this. This is our horror rack hanger on, but this is not a goofy 80s VHS oh, guys let's go rent this movie but this is a movie that totally did play a long time on VHS set your way back machine to 1992 and let's check out Candyman directed by Bernard Rose liberally adapted from the Clive Barker short story The Forbidden Probably best known, of course, for the titular Candyman played by Tony Todd. Uh, this film did hang around on VHS Horror Rex for quite a long time, mostly because I'm not going to bury the lead here, folks. It's a damn good movie. So the Columbia TriStar Home Video, it's just a regular uh, you know, slipcase style. Um, I always like the the uh, on the front. There's a couple of pieces of copy. Uh, first off, Tony Todd not credited, only Virginia uh, Madsen is credited it says Candyman from the chilling imagination of clive barker remember we're not that far removed from films like hellraiser where clive barker's name held a lot of clout on the vhs racks and then the uh the quote the critical quote here um which is from tony timpone from fangoria the scariest film since the silence of the lambs mm. and that they're not they're not screwing around they, they started invoking silence of the lambs 
which had just come off the Academy Awards and stuff like that. It was, it wasn't that far removed because that's what eighty. Was it ninety? Was it nineteen ninety? It's ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety ninety one somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, But uh, this was a movie that I I was full on in from the first time I saw it, which was on HBO. And I have been a fan of the series. It's such as it is, is, you know, eh. but this movie, this movie is fantastic. And I can, I don't want to bury the lead at all. So let's just, let's just open up the discussion here. What do you, what did you guys think? This well, might be my favorite Clive Barker adaptation. That is, that is a bold statement. That is a bold, bold statement. It's, it's, it's got the touchstones, man. It is a, a layer of, of slime and sleaze and grit on it and you're just uncomfortable the whole time yeah. you're watching for different it. reasons you know from changes oh, the what i i like what i i swear i had seen this movie before and thought it was pretty good but i didn't remember much about it which means i haven't seen this movie because <laughs> like from the opening scene where i'm like this looks like a cronenberg film and then the music i go this sounds like John Carpenter. And I'm like, well, no, it's a pipe organ, but it has that same sort of simplicity. And then it's like soundtrack, Philip Glass. I'm like, what the, I, I'm like, I, I must've just been like, ah, I'll watch this one later. And like, I was in college at the time. And like, I probably wasn't like reading as much, you know, like magazines. So I probably didn't get a like build up towards it and just didn't take it seriously as a movie but then i started looking at the cast and like oh executive producer clive barker and i'm and i'm going this is a like this is a much high this is a high quality production and uh and uh, it lived uh, it lived up to it it was uh like the last gasp that 80s style but like dead serious there's really not much humor in this or goofiness it is relentless and it doesn't it doesn't pull its punches really it goes you know it's sort of like clive barker it's like sort of like clive barker was like oh i you know that freddy krueger thing is an interesting concept but what if we like add this extra you know extra layer you know really explore it to its more disturbing depths and maybe put a little bit of vampire at like what if you crossed a vampire with freddy krueger and tragedy and yeah and yeah. uh boy oh boy <laughs> and the, the thing about the thing about candy man that i've that i've always liked about it is that i think it it, it came out at the right time being in 1992 and ostensibly being about an urban legend and the power of mythology you know mm-hmm. urban legends of course famously got a a new lease on life and found a new domain with which to exist at the dawn of the internet age oh, right yeah. um snopes was primarily founded i, I think because of all of the the uh the urban legends that yep. were constantly emailed around and, and then shared on use groups and all those those early forms like web 1.0 type of stuff and so happening in 1992 this film about the power of a, a, a created mythology about an urban legend even taking and it one stories step in general yeah because i mean because the forbidden is actually it's set in liverpool 
And so it's about kind of the British class system. Okay. This being set in and around, uh, you know, Cabrini Green in Chicago, the public housing development, and involving the, on one hand, you have a cast of a series of characters who are white academics, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a grad student, you've got a, a couple of professors. And then on the other hand, you have working class African-Americans. You know, the first African-American characters we get are the custodians at University of Chicago, in the University of Illinois, Chicago, right? So it, it even speaks one level beyond the, the power of the story. It, it's very specifically, and this gets explored not so much in the two sequels, but in the third sequel, about the power of oral tradition in mm -hmm. the American black story, right? In the American black tradition of oral tradition and the idea of passing a story down and that that story now holds power and means something not it's not just a legend that story means something in your in your life that's part of the the, the community that you're in and so this idea that you know that the candy man has his congregation and i love that that the line your disbelief destroyed the faith of my congregation that that to me says it all right it that this would this this very concept would get glommed by um nightmare on elm street and freddy versus jason that without belief Right. They don't have power, right? But because everyone believes about the Candyman, because that's been a tradition that's been told in this section of Illinois yeah. for a hundred years, he has this great power. It's and so much so that so much so that somebody's impersonating him. Like right. That's... Well, yeah, yeah. It's like a manifestation of him. He even sort of looks like a shrunken down version of Tony Todd, you know, a yeah. little bit, you know, younger and leaner. younger and not does it not the power of presence of Tony Todd. So then when you see Tony Todd, you know, that guy looks really scary. Then when you see him in the lineup and he's doing his and this is just so brilliantly written. I mean, this is like based on a story by a, an executive produced by a white British guy, white British director, you know, mostly white cast, academics. It's very, it's very white, but at the same, which means it could be really cringy and awkward with the, a subject matter that covers like horrible slavery. Well, not slavery, but like actually what he, because, but just a horrible racist death in the, in the times just post slavery and, you know the 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 conditions of like the you know disaster of public urban planning of Cabrini Green and stuff, but it doesn't prostel. It realizes, yeah, we're the 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 writing is good enough that they know that they're like writing this story from their point of view, and so it doesn't like proselytize about anything. It doesn't pretend to be like we're good like write this any of this from like a black person's point of view but by doing that by not having like a flashback scene of him getting killed just it's it's even worse as just a delivered story of what happened yeah. to him and we, with we, sound we, effects sort of uh, you know crossing and, the and then just the murals that are and the murals and yeah. stuff like that you know and like there's very little like on screen gore like like yeah there's a good well, amount <laughs> there's there's blood there's... poured all over the place and and yeah. a dog head but you don't see like you you know it isn't about the guttings and stuff you know it's mostly sound effects and and then aftermath and and just buckets and buckets of blood yeah. but i mean a lot a lot of it is 
it it's it it has gore in it and and that was one thing at the time that the film came out that it was it was known for that yes it was gory but it like you said chris it wasn't about the gore it was about the idea and the idea was the part that was the scary part and the way they present it it made it scary you know the scene where she wakes up in the in the apartment building and sees a dog head and you're just realizing oh my god what's happening and you're, you're actually you're thinking that the baby was killed yeah. yeah. And you're and and the I mean the the apartment is just a bloodbath. And the the way the cameras handheld cameras moving around and stuff, it's just horrifying. It it puts you in her point of view too of just like waking up somewhere where something awful has happened and you have the knife in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, it's well that's the one of the things that I find with all the Clive Barker stuff, it's always just what what if what if the real world was just slightly out of sync? What if there was yeah. out, just there's always just something either in the in the home or in the city or just in general that if you could just peel back just a little bit you'd be able to see it. You know, it's no different than having a you know, a, a, a recomposing corpse in your attic like in Hellraiser. And here it's here who this this church to this legend is inside the walls of this of this tenement like yeah it's just everything about it is just so creepy and off kilter right <laughs> one one thing that i didn't realize this i actually saw the first the first reference to this i saw was when i was reviewing the wikipedia page and there's a uh, there's a whole thing you can dig into about this that so bernard rose and bernard rose is the director you know, he directed the video, the music video for Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. this guy, Relax, don't do it when you want to go do it. Now, that's all I got to say. But the so they, they actually used a bit because Rose thought that there was way too much just screaming in horror movies, especially from women. Like that that was a cliche in filmmaking that a lot of guys relied on was to have the, the lead heroine be just a scream queen, right? So they actually hypnotized Virginia Madsen. Any scene where she is being confronted by the Candyman, she was actually put under hypnosis by a professional hypnotist and then put into what they describe as a trance-like state so that when she's coming out of it, that there's a portion of that that's really her having no idea what's going on. Oh, Christ. That it's like she was in a few, you know, for lack of a better term, a trance or a fugue-like state, and now well, coming out of it rubber into this stage bit. knives. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I mean, can you friggin' imagine that? No, and I would never sign up for that as an actor. Even a method actor would be like, whoa, wait, 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 what? You want to do what? Yeah. Well, the problem was, they, okay, they it, did it. The, the, the thing is, she got really, she was getting very uncomfortable with it. So they started, they eventually stopped doing it. But uh, the thing is, it happened, they did it a few different times and they were trying to get these these scenes done right and the problem is then she was just like i can't do this anymore i can't like they, they couldn't right. have her walk off the set yes. you know like all right i guess we'll stop it's like well it's kind of working a lot it's like okay it might I'm be sure perfect, it was but but i'm just saying is if she winds up going insane and kills somebody yeah no plausible yeah, than she i leaves that fugue state and goes out and just starts stabbing Ugh. people yeah, like yeah. I, I mean, if I was I mean, an that actor, that sounds like a movie they, right they there, said, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I would think about doing that as an actor if it was like a scene where you got, you know, you fell off your bike and got 
hit on the head and woke up and was like, where am I? What's going on? And they wanted that disorient. But, it, you know, having you like putting you into hypnosis and then telling you, OK, you're going to wake up. You don't have no idea where you are. You, you think it's reality. And it's a it's a bloody nightmare with a, a baby crib filled with blood. Yeah, no, that would be that might not. That might be I would have to have like some sort of like three million dollars for potential future therapy <laughs> in there. But I said it, it it really does sell the fact that Helen has no idea what's going on when she wakes up out of this. And that's like you say, that's the part that's scary because we're forced into her point of view because we identify with her. You know, Helen is, you know, she she is it is she is she driven? Yes. Is she ex anyone? Not really. She says that even to Amory. Because when she meets Amory in the uh, at Cabrini Green, Amory distrusts her. They of course they they think they're cops. Of course, yeah. her and uh, Helen and, and Bernadette. But she says, "No, we're not cops. We're from the university. We're doing a study." And Amory says, "Oh, you're doing a study. What you gonna say that we all bad? That we all on drugs? That we all gangbangers?" So she, you know, but then she helps her with baby Anthony. We'll come back to him eventually, and uh, you know. So, so she, Helen is not trying to exploit it when she really wants to do, you know, to, to explore this and put this out there and help these people with, the, you know, with doing this. But at the same time, you know, mm, she, she still looks at it as a superstition. So she doesn't believe she creates this situation that she's in. See, I did not like her at all. I thought she was like, I thought like she, I mean, I think she was doing a lot of it because well, your well-known bias against the University of Illinois has been documented time and time again. <laughs> the, 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 the British guy, when she was like, we're going to bury you with our research, in which, ironically, he buried her. <laughs> he was at her funeral. But, uh, um, like, I was just hating her character. And I'm like, is this our main character? Because she really annoys the hell out of me. She's fucking around with things. She's just walking. She reminded me sort of like an evil version of uh, Gracie from from um, Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China. But I was just like, she's she's gonna fuck around and find out because yep. she sure <laughs> does. She's just like and and like Amory is like, I mean, she brings that. She like just makes her life hell, and she knows she she's just like, look, you're fucking around with the Candyman. Don't fuck around with the Candyman. And she's like, that's nice, lady. I I respect you. I'm going to go fuck around with the Candyman now. And it's, <laughs> and I'm just like, don't, and, but then once it, once we get into the turn of it, then it's like, you can't help but feel bad for her yeah. because it's just a universal, it's that Alfred Hitchcock, like, you know, thing of, but this one's more like a doom spiral because as soon as, she wakes up in that room. It's just like, oh, she's so fucked. The candy yeah. now, the Candyman is just going to keep setting her up until she finally is able to, like, you know, do you know, save the baby, save the baby. But it's so relentless and yeah. so, you know, and the whole "be my victim" and stuff seems a little cheesy at first, and then when you start, it starts making sense. It's like. This is worse than a vampire because a vampire actually like seduces, whereas he like just puts you in a puts you in a no win situation. And it's just like you can either go out and you can either just be part of the story or you can be the main character of the story. <laughs> or, yeah. 
See that yeah. really? I mean, I'm gonna. I said this kind of on the chat the other day. It's like this is she gets what she deserves for getting married to a professor named Trevor. And to Xander Berkeley, who's a great yeah. character. Okay. Xander Berkeley, who a chat. Okay, this this is gonna trigger a certain portion of our audience. Like I said, oh. looks like a really wimpy version of Aaron the Idol Stevens. So. <laughs> um. The, the thing once is, that scene with his with his young in his uh, co-ed girlfriend, his replacement girlfriend. Oh my god! You want to just jump through the screen and strangle that little bastard? But when she when she comes in, she's just like, "Get out of my home!" And the girl turns around. What a great bit of acting there, where she just sort of like is like smile that smile that's just a like that comes from someone who doesn't know how to deal with the insane <laughs> amount of fear that you know i'm surprised that they didn't have have like show her pee in her pants that girl looks so authentically scared in a way that's not usually portrayed in a horror movie it, in, a, in a way a young person like yeah. a young girl would be like truly scared but not knowing how to process it at all, you know? And it yeah. was, there, there, I, and it was just full of scenes like that. It just, yeah, it's just like, and now you, you just, you, you talking about the, the, uh, the grad student that that he's cheating on on Helen with. It's just like, you look at that apartment, and the, and this is while they're redoing it when she comes back and escapes from the insane asylum. That phone is filthy. Everything in there is filthy. Like it's just, it's so real. Like, yeah, even even the pink flamingo paint color that they're putting on the wall doesn't look right. It's just it's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's so much just in that scene. That's it's such good writing that's communicated in there. That like, he he and the like like okay yes we know they've been having an affair but like you can tell they've been talking you know. Yeah. And, and what they've been talking about and sort of planning and he was going like I don't think my wife's actually going to be around very much longer so maybe we start picking out some colors you know and it's ever everything about this is told is told that way and it's so it's so wonderful to not be treat you know not be spoon fed everything you know and yeah. just let it play it's uh I can't, it's it's another it's in this just within this year I've watched this and Willow for the first time and been like where have these movies been all my life <laughs> speaking of feeding uh, like it, 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 Luke and Jay probably know did he put real bees in his mouth for that scene yeah. yep yeah okay that's uh, what I thought I'm like I wondered about a, that you are a braver man than I because that is okay. wait 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 he worked out in his contract. He received $1,000 for every bee sting he received during the cool. scene. Okay? It's between 23 and 26, depending on which which uh, special you watch. The thing Luke and I watched, uh, it said 26. Somewhere else it said 23. And the, the bees themselves were actually raised just for this movie. So the bees could not be more than 12 days old. Because at 12 days old, um, they were full size, or excuse me, 12, no, 12 hours old, excuse me, oh, go. God. it's only 12 hours old, because 12 days is too long, 12 hours old, so they basically grew them, got them there, that means because at 12 hours, their stingers were not strong enough um, to actually uh, do any real damage, 
but they still look like full size bees. Yeah. Uh, but oh. yes, he did all that. And, and because we, we were watching this and he goes, well, I worked out. It was a thousand dollars for every time I get stung. And Luke and I both laughed when we were watching the special. I'm like, of course it is. Of That's course. Most, that is like the most Tony Todd thing though, exactly. isn't it? It's like, I'll yeah. do it. I'm just getting paid for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh man. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I brag, I have had random meetings with two people in this movie, Tony Todd and Vanessa Williams. Okay. That's well, awesome. I, I, I met, met Tony. Tony Todd was doing a play in our town. He kept coming to the bar that I worked at and made friends with one of my coworkers. And I was just out on the street one day and my friend goes, Chris, Chris, come here. That's Tony Todd over there. You want to meet him? It's a candy man. And I'm like, yes, I do. And then I shook hands with his giant hand which was just he's ginormous he's humongous and very a very very nice man very like kind of quiet guy but like very friendly and like it was pretty cool vanessa williams i was in high school and this was pre pre um i don't know if it was playboy or penthouse i think it was penthouse where the pictures came out but it was before that it was at the miss new york state pageant and she bought a, uh, I believe it was like one of those strawberry shortcake uh, popsicle things um, nice. from me. And uh, meanwhile, to, unbeknownst to me, one of my uh, friend's friends who worked as a janitor there was stealing all the underwear of the contestants. Okay, I, I, on, do, he, I do need to, I do he need to saved say. Hers in in a freezer bag in his freezer. I think it's a different Vanessa Williams. Yeah, Chris. that's this this is Vanessa Estelle Williams. This is not the Vanessa Williams that you're thinking of. Oh well, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. this well, is so I, some, well, sometimes the former Miss America is credited as Vanessa L. Williams. Yeah. Okay. What's also funny is that so Vanessa L. Williams start in the movie version of soul food but vanessa e williams who's in Candyman, she was in the tv series soul food oh. and the screen actors guild they took the matter to arbitration and they settled it and they said both of them could use vanessa williams so they settled absolutely nothing oh, typical screen very nice of them <laughs> it's like you're both vanessa williams you're both so awesome Right. I don't know why the Screen Actors Guild talks like this. Yeah. It's like it's like we understand it's your legal name, but yes, you can use it. It's like thanks, Nicholas. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. like um, you know the exec. So so like the producer, one of the executive producers. We were talking about Futurama before we recorded. One of the executive producers of Futurama is David X. Cohen. Yeah. And David X. Cohen, his middle name doesn't start with an X. Right. But there already was a David Cohen in the the film actor the screen actors guild and i think a david cohen with the middle initial that he had so he just chose the x so he could actually get a credit yeah. in the screen actors guild <laughs> so just to kind of give you an idea so vanessa e williams uh she was in new jack city uh right yes. before this uh which is probably the i mean outside of Candyman, might be the the biggest movie I mean, I'm looking at her credits and stuff. There's not a whole lot. I mean, I mean, she's on 911. She's was on Days of Our Lives, so I'm well, sure she was on Soul Food yeah. for like five years. That kind of thing, right? Yeah, so. yeah. It was, it was yeah, four, it's, it's four years of Soul Food. I'm saying, but like, I'm saying is, but for like movie wise, 
like things like TV stuff she has. But I'm saying, but New Jack City might be the best outside of Katie. It might be the most well-known movie she'd been in until you know later. I mean, she's she was in a movie you know recently uh, that we'll talk about. Um, but I'm saying this, but it's one of those things that like I mean, she does do you know she's in. Um, couple Christmas movies and stuff like that that you know if you watch those type of movies depending on whether you're a Hallmark or a um, GAC family yeah, the yeah one? there's different channels of different movies she's in a couple of those but that's not what it's about but I'm just saying this but New Jack City I mean talk about a movie that at the time I mean it's still pretty con- well, well, it was super controversial at the time to be in New Jack City and then the second movie you're in is Candyman I'm just saying like it, it's hard to go up from those. I'm just, you know, like, yeah. you, know, you like New Jack City or not, you got to admit that movie had, you know, that and Juice definitely earned their reps for what they yeah. were. Boys in the Hood. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, and, and Menace to Society. Those, all those yeah. movies kind of did their thing, but they were hot button issues, controversial movies. They're all well. They were all, and they were all to different extents pretty good movies, too, or really good movies. They were all really entertaining and intense. And it's funny because you would think they're all the same movie and they're so oh. at each other, which is the really good part. Of, I mean, it's one of those things that people kind of don't understand. Um, and, I don't, and it's not just like that, but like when you have movies that come out that are similar to each other, because that happens, you know, you kind of Hollywood gets in a cycle and makes them. Um, you know, a perfect example might be like if you were to say, oh, I don't know, Deep Star Six, Leviathan, the <laughs> real shitty one. Oh, yeah, Abyss. Um, and then the one Roger Corman made, right? Like they're all kind of the same movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> doesn't even doesn't even rate a name. The one Roger Corman I, made. I don't remember the name of it. It was on Misty. Was it like Humanoid Blue the Deep? or something like that? No, 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 no. What does No, Humanoid in the Deep is different. It's the one. Oh my God! It was in. It was in the season. It was. Yeah, it's, in the, season, it's in the Gauntlet. No, it's it's in the Gauntlet or it's in the other one. I don't remember. The Gauntlet. I'll find it. The Gauntlet. Um, but the thing is. What happens is, like, you look at, like, Deep Star 6 and Leviathan, people are like, oh, they're the same movie. Well, they're not the same movie. I mean, they're, they're better than than uh, The Abyss, but, like, it doesn't mean they're the exact same movie. But, like, when you looked at something like Juice and Boys in the Hood and uh, Menace to Society and, and um, New Jack City, they're not even close to the same movie. Right kind of thing. No. But people's kind of just plumped them together. I'm sorry. Lords thought, of the Deep I, is the one Lords that you're not... Deep. Yeah. It's the one I yeah. could think of... And I actually like well, Lords of the Deep better than I like Abyss. And there was a whole run of heroin junkie movies too that were at the in the same time period that were all just sort of like the the heroin arc. But they were all different movies. But they were all pretty much just people going from the top to the bottom. <laughs> heroin. I mean, the thing I will say not not to get off on those underwater movies, but you know we we talked about this. It's like okay, Deep Star Six B movie. Leviathan B movie, Lords of the Deep B movie, The Abyss not a B movie, so it kind of has a different criteria that it has to be judged on, right? Yeah. And, but, and again, and ju- just to, just for the sake of argument, <clears throat> the the director's cut of The Abyss is a million times better than the theatrical cut, and I'll although, just leave it at that. Although The but, Abyss, yeah, Chris Elliott yeah. movie, and just just like this is a uh, you know um, um, oh. Uh, Sam Raimi's brother, secret Ted uh, Raimi movie, yeah. Ted Raimi yeah. movie, Play, playing man. against type is a total creep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that. I do love that. The, the, this is a movie about. This is a movie about people that tell scary stories that become legend. 
and the movie starts with, okay, I heard this story. Yes. Right? So it starts with that. And those are the oldest teenagers, like, this side of... Remember we did Clint Howard? They needed Clint Howard on the other side of the gurney, and they could have, like, (laughs) really rounded out all the, like, creep creep actor brothers. Yeah. I was going to say, um, but uh, it reminds me of Slaughter High. Remember the, remember the flashback like, scenes at Slaughter High yes. with the old teenagers, yes. you know? Yeah. They're all the exact same age they are at the reunion, you know, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Well, I, I just want to throw this out there before we get off this. Um, you know, if you want to start, like, kind of putting things together, on uh, 420, uh, I was at TMC, or T, no, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, uh, showed all movies about junkies. Just throwing it out there. I'm not here to judge or anything, but they literally made an entire lineup all day long of a marathon of movies about people with drug problems. And it went on like all day into the next day. And I was like, man. And yet, what was not shown? Reefer Madness was not shown. Yeah, they could have shown Reefer Madness. I mean, there's any number of Cheech and Chong movies. No no Cheech and Chong movies, none of that stuff. It was all like about drug addiction. It's like, they could show (laughs) that. Like Requiem for a Dream, that sort of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like the Basketball Diaries or something like that. But it's TCM, so it has to be old movies. So it's like The Man with the Golden Arm, um, things like that. Like, I, I don't have How all could you, the you're, you're showing old movies about drug addiction, and you're not showing for Madness? I mean, Reef for Madness is a historically significant film. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hot garbage. It's hilarious, but it's still historically significant, you know? <laughs> So anyway, sorry, I don't mean to derail us from talking about Candyman. So I just want to real quick throw this out there. As as they've mentioned, based on the Clive Barker short story, um, and and the word based is is loose here, um, especially since Candyman is in the story, uh, white and British. Uh, and originally this story, they had thought about filming this in Britain. And Virginia Madsen would have played Bernadette's role as the friend who's kind of the outsider to what's going on. Um, and then and then uh, it was to Clive Barker was like, well, we're going to adapt this. I think was when they said, well, no, let's let's bring this. Let's take this to America. And and they were like, are you sure? And Bernard Rhodes said, no, no, this is going to play so much better if we go with Americans in America, <laughs> which I'm just saying he was right. Yes, uh, because this would I mean, again, and I'm not I'm not to offend any of our uh, listeners over in, you know, the the UK. Um, but this story, if it was a a a folktale or a not folktale, like uh, urban legend, but it was about like a British guy and a, whatever, like, it wouldn't play well in America because we don't have any like there's nothing for us to latch on to. Having it take place even in Cabrini Green, which maybe, you know, people have never even heard of Cabrini Green before this. I know I had never heard of Cabrini Green before this. And now I know exactly what it is. Uh, kind of thing, because I actually looked into this thing, right? So what I'm saying is to have it done in America and to have it then take part of the Bloody Mary and part of the hook, uh, you know, urban legend to kind of like blend into it. And I just want to say that, and Luke and I laughed at this too when we first heard this. Originally, they wanted them to have to say Candyman 13 times into the movie. 
No. We should be watching the movie. Oh, no, they should yeah. go teens. They go, you got it to five. They go, you know what? Yeah. Five's good. Let's leave the it at five. The theater's like, is it I on seven or eight? I'm on nine. I'm on seven. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I think they made some very smart decisions. Um, and, and a lot of the credit, I mean, again, I understand it's Clive Barker's story based on his story, but Bernard Rose should get a lot of credit for this uh, because as the director and the writer, there's a lot of his fingerprints here. Um, and it's not like this guy was known for making psychological thrillers or horror movies or what. He's not like this was like just another one. It's not like you're saying Wes Craven, uh, Sean right. Cunningham, you know, John Carpenter. Like, it's not a name that fits with those. Right. That's not who he is. Right. But I think he really kind of understood what Clive Barker was going for with the story kind of thing. He adapted it, made it his own. And at the same time, I think kept it grounded enough in reality. Cause let's be very honest is that when you're watching this, I mean, again, the, you know, it's, it's the, it's the early nineties. And for some of our listeners, they weren't even like an urge in their dad's loins yet, you know, uh, you know, kind of thing. The, this movie literally looks like 1991 in the projects. Like it doesn't look like, well, I wonder where, like, you know where they are. And it doesn't have to be Cabrini Greens in Chicago. It could be a project somewhere in Detroit. It could be somewhere in New York. It could, be whatever. it could be somewhere else. But it's clearly, you know, not uh, a place. Virginia Madsen's character is far out of her, her depths in where she is, right? And the academics, all the people who are talking at these high levels and all this stuff, it's like, Okay, that's great, but that's not the that that's that's your world, and that world is realistic enough for you to one hundred percent buy it. You're not doubting whether or not you know who they are as characters. They make sense, but when they go into into the projects into Cabrini Green, you're like, okay, this looks like it. Now, the one thing that kind of maybe seems a little weird for some people, and this has come up, there's a bonfire at the end. And people say, well, why would there be a bonfire? It doesn't make any sense. They didn't have those kind of things in Cabrini Green. Maybe not. But remember, where was this supposed to take place? England. The bonfire was for Guy Fawkes Day, which is what yeah. it's supposed to be. But it works so well in this movie, you don't even question it. Like, people question it because you're like, well, it's kind of weird at a bonfire. But not really. Well, this is also where his followers are, so maybe it is weird and there aren't normally bonfires, but there isn't normally a tenement full of Candyman followers, you know. Exactly. People said, well, you know, they wouldn't do this in a... a, But if you go to different parts that, like, depending on where you are, this might not be that crazy. And you hear them when they... when when, Oh, the little boy, his, um, I can't think of his name. Jake says, you know, I just call him Russell. Cause I, he reminds me so much of Russell from the Cosby kids. Oh, yeah. Dwayne, James Deshaun guy. This is, that was his acting debut. And that kid, they said on 10 set, he never needed a second take. He just nailed it every time. They're like, damn, he's really good. You know, he had like spanky vibes. To yeah. Me. Well, but like you know, natural. What, yeah, he but he but he came from his when he says them. I see, I saw his hook. Like he, it's it's the idea that like they're gonna burn him and get, get him out. And even though they're his, 
They're his followers, quote unquote. They want him out of their lives. They want to get rid of Candyman so they can stop living in fear. I'm like, how do people, like, I understand people want to question and tear things apart, but it never to me, in when I watched this when we were younger, I watched it again, and I've, I've probably seen this movie, you know, seven, eight times, right? I never once questioned the idea of the bonfire because to me, I was like, okay, well, that's just something they're doing there. Uh, it, it makes I, I figure something has to come into play, but it makes perfect sense at the end of the movie. His you his know? follower and her, who was basically she was basically like, they hinted almost also, and I like that they just did it subtly, and it wasn't like something like you know like just addressed on the surface in the movie that she might have been like the reincarnation of the the girl he got pregnant or you know some sort of manifestation of her but now i'm now i'm not really sure where i was what 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 i was just saying is that the the idea the like the the bonfire and all that stuff like yeah those things work still even though they're not in england and yes i understand this guy fox day and stuff and it's very different than maybe we're talking about what I'm saying is, overall, this story told in a, uh, like, I don't even, I don't know, I guess it would be, like, I, I, a project, well, I don't know what you would call it over there. I know an attack the block, they called it the block, and that was, like, yeah. the apartment complex, right? Um, but that's much later. Uh, like, I don't know what you would call that, but, like, I mean, okay, fine, so that's what this is going for. I don't know if this, this movie, Ooh. one, has the punch, or two, has any of the lasting staying power that this film has oh no like i i know what i was gonna say his foul his his followers are not really like and i i was gonna compare this as the mirror image of hereditary and like his followers are sort of forced into into you know they're they i mean they believe him because the shit happens there you know so you know i mean there was her dog got its head chopped off you know so yeah. so they're forced into believing him they don't they don't want they're not like we love the candy man but right. th- this movie is sort of like what hereditary wants to be this is mm-hmm. this is a, a a movie made by like a filmmaker who's like i it's like freaking making the exorcist not known for being like a horror director or or a genre director and and it looked like it had a nice budget and some really you know thought put into the writing of it the the cinematography and editing and everything is like top level they got philip glass to do the soundtrack and and so it's classy it's a it's a it's a you know really you know and and tony todd is like a shakespearean actor you know and okay so they you know they got that but like in hereditary is the same thing you know, we put some you know money into this real you know and their script and actor uh, so, you know really good acting and and stuff but like really if you boil it down hereditary is just like a boilerplate supernatural sto- you know possession story with a subtext of like grief what you know grief is really horrible and you know depression in families is really horrible and stuff meanwhile Candyman has like 15 different layers of things going on not even a comment on slavery but a comment on just you know 
like just post-slavery where he could you know he had achieved a level of success to where he was a, like an artist and free and able to make a living and stuff but he's still horribly murdered and there you know his relationship with the woman and how she becomes her own urban you know she becomes the burned off hair lady the burned off baby saving hair lady or whatever her name will will end up being you know gas can or whatever let me just say this real quick gas can sally okay so so obviously uh, you know at the end they're trevor you know because he makes such he just makes such great decisions in life god damn <laughs> helen into the mirror five times and then helen appears and uh, even because obviously i didn't know it back then because it didn't exist then but when I, luke will understand this um in uh in um uh monsters vs aliens right there's he said what do you call yourself susan susan Ooh, i scared myself you know it's kind of like it's helen it's not quite at the level of candy man right you know what i'm saying like what what do you, what do you say helen Ooh, helen you well, know kind of it's got hell in it you know if it was if it if this was made today if the original one was made today helen her name would have been karen i think we all can <laughs> Uh, real quick, the budget here is uh, about six million dollars on the budget uh, for and that's in nineteen ninety, you know, one ninety two money. That's a de- um, that's a decent budget for a horror movie. Right. Well, opening weekend it made uh, five point four million, so it almost made back all its money in one weekend, and it it it, it wound up finishing about twenty five about twenty five point eight million dollars. So on a six million dollar investment, you return twenty almost just shy of twenty six million. I think that's pretty good. Twenty million dollars in profit. I think I think you would take that, uh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know, especially since you're, you know, returning your, you know, it's, it's they made five times what it cost. Uh, that kind of stuff for a horror movie. That let let's be blatantly honest. This is not your typical, like, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. You oh know, no. Well, like this isn't. Let's go on a date movie. Now, it maybe looked like it was going to be though. That's the thing. It looked like it was going to be that kind of movie. From what the trailer? Just the from trailer's the... depressing as hell. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess maybe you figure it's a killer, but it's from like the art, just the idea of it. Like you say, Candyman five times into the you know into the you know it seems to be setting up a franchise and a character and stuff, which it sort of is. But like, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying is I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how many people went on this to be like a quote-unquote date movie. Um, <laughs> like, well, I'm, but I'm not kidding. Like, I mean, all through the '80s, when you look at like the the, the Friday the 13th movies, Paramount once they because you know they they made the Friday the 13th. For those who don't know, the original one, Steve, uh, um, Steve, Con- uh, Steve, Con- uh, um, Sean Cunningham got the 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 um, uh, the backing for five hundred thousand dollars. And then the movie wound up making just under however many hundreds of millions of dollars just made right. that kind of thing. It's one of the most successful movies ever made, right? Paramount bought that and they did the distribution. So Paramount knew every year that if we give them a couple million dollars, they're going to turn on a movie that's going to make, you know, 15 to 20 million dollars right. or so, whatever, right? This does not, like, this is not in that kind of thing. I mean, they knew when you say Friday the 13th Part 7 is coming. People went to there. Are people went to see it because it's Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. It, candy. It's harder sometimes to have a movie. Excuse me. Have a movie that is the beginning of a franchise that doesn't have some other kind of hook. 
to it and not to be I don't mean oh. that to be um, but you know what I'm saying is like it's Tony Todd Tony Todd is not it's not like Robert England in and I, I don't mean to yeah. Tony Todd but Tony Todd was not known for horror movies if you said this was Othello and it was Tony Todd you're like well okay Tony Todd's like a real you know, it's like it's like when they made um, what the hell they make last year with Denzel was it Macbeth right you, you like you know you see Denzel Washington's in Macbeth okay it sounds okay I'm not you know I'm not sure about well what they say how it was filmed or whatever kind of thing because you don't know those things going in but you're like this should be pretty good because this person's classically trained right no if you're making a horror movie you know and it's like you got we got a killer doll and Chucky we got this okay whatever like those things existed Candyman is outside of that and unlike like um, which we would get to remember this is all pre-scream too uh right yeah because squid it with a scream 96 90 like right around that right it's it's no 95 90 scream yeah, is 97 a, isn't it 96 97 yeah i'm trying to, i was trying to remember i know it was like i was i was just either a freshman in college because i remember watching it on the bus because scream came out it went right to vhs then they put it back in the movies you're you're pre-scream and since you're pre-scream you still live in, and you're just coming off the '80s of like the slasher movies and the, like the you know the making sequels and whatever. It was hard to kind of find your own voice in there, and this movie is so different in what it's presenting compared to again movies that I love. I mean, I do I I, I love the nightmare movies. I love the Friday movies. Or I kind of think this presents something so different. It seems like it might not have fit well, but once you saw it, you're like there's no way you saw this movie and didn't go tell somebody about it. Right. And that's why when Luke said in the beginning that this was a horror rack hanger on for a very long time, but it wasn't the zany cover or let's rent this thing and have a good, it hung on because people were like, Hey, I heard about Candyman." Like I like, like it became a word of mouth thing. Very kind of ironic that a movie about an urban legend that's passed on through oral traditions got good word of mouth and became more than it ever like they it, it, it could have been if they if this if this movie was poor it would have died it's a slow death we'd never talk mm-hmm. about it be we're now talking about this movie you know 20 something you know 30 something years later the original and i know we've mentioned that there's a part two which is not horrible part three is a money grab but the 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 new one the new candy man the one that came out last year that movie and this movie are you know hand in glove and 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 it's and it's so crazy to think that we're talking about something from 30 years ago that still is on point and impactful still relevant like it's so crazy that you can do that with a movie and then there's other movies that came out that same year that were like critically acclaimed that never heard of again <laughs> you know so anyway I think they I think they probably set out to make it as timeless as possible because it's an urban legend. So it's like what we see are like the like an apartment, um a college, just things that don't change a lot visually, you know. And and then like Cabrini Green is its own thing. That's the the den of horror. So that is just a universally just squirmy place but 
There, there's not much to date this except for the clothes and hairstyles. Yeah, Unlike so, a lot of movies from this time period. Yeah. So just to give you an idea, um, what do you call Silence of the Lambs was 91. So it's, so Silence of the Lambs is right before this. Remember, Silence of the Lambs was not a horror movie. It's a thriller that happens to have a cannibal in him and, and, and a guy who's skinning women alive to wear their skins. But it's a thriller. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, I, I know. <laughs> So let me see something. 93. And and Roger Corman appears in a cameo, but it's a thriller. If if you're an if you're a normie, <laughs> um, it's a horror movie because it's it's so scary to like you know that was Silence of the Lambs was another one that was like more of a successful version of like like of where like people who wouldn't go normally go to see a movie about a cannibal with some really bloody scenes in it, you know, for, for them. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's got a great performance by Anthony Hopkins and it's, you know, well-directed. He won for, he won the best, he won the best actor. Yeah. Award, right yeah. Thing. So, so there were a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of little old, old couples who like, we go to the movies every weekend when it's Oscar time, we go to see all the Oscar nominees. So like they were going to walk in to see Silence of the Lamb and they're like, oh, Anthony Hopkins, he's very good. And then it's just like, <laughs> okay, so here we go. <laughs> you know, it's, I love those. I love when that happens, you know. So, 1992, or 1992, here are the movies that were up for Best Picture, right? Uh, so, Unforgiven won. They won the Best Picture, right? Kind of thing. Well, Unforgiven, of course, you know, a Western, it's, it's you know, it's many it's people. It's a wonderful just, movie, yeah. Great uh, movies, like that. No, okay. And again, I don't have a problem with a movie that's really good winning. Here are the other movies up for nomination that year. The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, Howard's End. And scent of a woman. Okay. I can honestly say, without, and I'm not trying to just be a dick here. I'm just being honest here, right? Candyman is better than those other four movies. I mean, you yes, can make an argument like aged better too. Yes, yes. I mean, you could make an argument that maybe you know, like, uh, you know, certain of those movies might be shot better, but like scent of a woman, like. I get it. Yeah, I, no, I, you, you forget that Scent of a Woman was actually like critically acclaimed because you yeah. watch it and you're like, "What the actual fuck?" Yeah, exactly. You'll miss it. You'll miss my blind driving. You'll miss hoo ha. It's a it's a fun performance by it's a fun performance but, but by Al Pacino. It's all but it's not nonsense. It, it doesn't movie. mean anything. You know, right. it, it's, it's, it's a that, buddy, that's it's one a that that, that you watch film. in film class and actors are like, "Oh, look at it! It's fucking brilliant!" It's like it doesn't mean shit. Right. I can tell you how it's end doesn't mean shit because I had to do a report on the book and the movie. Oh dear God! So I had to do Howard's it. end. Howard, I will say this: Howard's end was a much better porno parody. That's all. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, the thing is, so when you look at something like that, when you look at like, and again, I understand the Academy Awards does not necessarily find the best actual movies that occur during the year, but sometimes they get it right, Gladiator, um, kind of thing, right? And sometimes they get it wrong, and that's fine because we've on this show talked about how Mad Max Fury Road should have won the goddamn Academy Award, and it was up for it. Right? 
the yeah. issue becomes that when we're talking about a horror movie that quote unquote sucks by some people's standards, right? Um, and you think about like the movies I just read you. Now, Unforgiven, I can make a case that Unforgiven might be one of the best westerns made in like the last. Well, well, I mean, I was modern, less, in like our yeah, Unforgiven is one of the yeah. best westerns made in, in, in any of our lifetimes. I mean, period. Right. I mean, full yeah. stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm, like, 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 like I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like something like even, even going back to like the like, being, like movies that are. Auto is just absolutely amazing as a western, right? Because it's just, uh, you know, it has all right. As a western, Unforgiven is a great film, right? It's just a great film as is made. When you look at the other things that were even nominated as critically acclaimed movies, they just don't hold up when you look at them compared to this little, you know, tiny horror movie of Candyman. And isn't yeah. that really a shame? That those that 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 people put blinders on sometimes, and only look at well, it's a horror movie. I can't like. I only like. I only like what I like. I like. Sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone and watch something. I'll admit, we watched Hereditary. It sucked. We did. We took the bullet for you guys. We watched the shitty movie, so you didn't fucking have to watch it. <laughs> then we watched fucking Suspiria, and I had a wonder. What the fuck happened with these people suggesting these movies? But I'm saying is we did that for you, but we went, okay, okay, these are, again, they are horror, but not all horror is good. The same way that not every Western is good and not every romantic comedy is good. But when you look at the movies that are produced within a calendar year, there are movies that stand out and there are movies that are critically acclaimed and there are movies that make a lot of fucking money. And I understand that $25 million is not a lot of money, but it's a ton of money, but it's not a lot of money in the world to think about now for movies. But if you said to me, I'm going to put $6 million in, and then a year later I'm going to have $25 million come out, you'd make that investment every time. Yep. This movie was successful. It had a life. It, the $25 million, that doesn't even count video sales. Or, or rentals, I should say. Not sales, but rentals. Or cable. It's lived on on cable for us since then. Think about that. It's like this movie was like on the shelves at Blockbuster and mom and pop stores and movies and whatever else might have existed where you were, right? Kind of thing. Uh, you know, Hollywood video. Um, and you, people rented it and rented it because they like, oh, that's, well, let's go to the store. What do we do? It's, it's, it's like, it might just be like, it's Halloween time. Let's watch some horror movies. Oh, Candyman, that's scary. Let's watch that because it's good. Hey, you know what? Like, I understand that, like, you know, it's, it's made to bear up under repeated yeah. viewings. It's right, exactly. Some movies are really good the first time you watch them because you're like, oh, okay, whatever, right? And then some movies need a second and a third watch. This one is good the first time you watch it, but the second time you watch Candyman and, you know, it's repeated viewings, it doesn't fall apart. And that's hard to say about a lot of movies because then, because once you get comfortable with the movie, you start kind of finding its flaws. You know what I'm saying? Well, also and, with horror movies, a lot of times, a lot of people make a lot of mo horror movies that are only made to stand up for that hour and a half. That's all they need to really stand up to. Right. And then in the car ride home, you can be like, none of that made any sense, but holy shit, I was, you know, on board for the ride the whole time Where, whereas this one is pretty solidly you know 
it's going to be interesting as someone who's just seen it once it's going to be interesting watching it a second time knowing what what how it ends and watching yeah. you know all the insane foreshadowing that's in and you know it's oh it's yeah. loaded i'm saying is they they tell you because when you think about it when, again and luke luke knows this you know especially because again this is one of Again, one of not to give away any uh, you know tra- major secrets here. This is one of Luke's favorite, uh, you know, like I don't want to call it a slasher movie, but it's like one of his favorite horror movies that he always brings up when we talk about these kind of things. It looks like well, the original Candyman, right? I mean, it's one of your. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's, 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 it's a go. It's a go-to because the themes yes. in it, the themes in it hold up, right? And it and it still yeah. works, and and they and it only has become more meaningful, I think. As since it's been released, right? So I, I'm, it, it's, it's still like, like Chris, Chris said it. It still holds up. And I mean, at this point, we've been talking about the film for almost an hour here, and I think we've had nothing but praise for it. So if you haven't I, seen Candyman, just, just go, go watch. I think it. as long as there's urban legends and creepy pastas and stuff like this, <laughs> yeah. this movie yeah. will hold up. Oh yeah. Know? Now Absolutely. another thing, real quick, just just to cut in here. Sorry, Luke. Um, <laughs> it's it. it, it Shutter. If for those of you who have Shutter, because I know some of you were like, "Well, I don't, I don't, I don't buy Blu-rays. I don't buy DVDs. Whatever." It's available. You can purchase it right, right, right through uh, Prime Video. Okay, I think you can buy it that way. Um, this movie is on Shutter. It, it sometimes goes off of Shutter and then comes back on. Uh, it's a movie that, because again, Shutter rotates there, and except for Shutter Originals, they rotate their crop of movies over. I mean, because you doesn't, you don't want to get stale. So it's always not the same movies, right? So. But this is available to stream. And if you haven't seen it, and I don't know if, if it's on Shutter right this second, when we, you know, as we're recording it is, but it might not be when you hear this because, you know, you're not hearing it, this recording live. Um, sorry if I broke that wall for you. Uh, you know, kind of thing, the, uh, you, you laugh. Uh, but, you know, kind of thing, like, so we, you, it's available to be seen. So it's worth your time to go see. And you're thinking, like, okay, well, you know, like, I, I mean, it's an hour and a half. I'm not even asking for two hours of time, right? I mean, it was what born an hour and a half, right? It's, it's, I don't know. It's about an it, hour and forty it's minutes. Like hour forty, yeah, 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 yeah. So a little over an hour and a half. And let's be honest, you've done worse things for an hour and a half. We all know oh, that. Yeah. Um, you know, so spend the time, watch it. And but I got to be honest, if if you if you go in thinking I'm going to hate this, chances are you will not get everything you need to get you won't you won't get the movie on the same way you would if you just went in all right let me sit down and just watch this film yes. and that means not sitting on your phone not dicking around with your you know significant other it means sit down and watch a movie and i know that's hard sometimes but that's how things have to be done because you because when you watch it you'll appreciate it now is it going to necessarily change your life? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but what I'm saying is you're going to say, huh, I just spent an hour and 40 minutes and that was pretty good. And that made that's that movie said something that movie, you know, again, you can tell, uh, you know, that like, if this was, sh- I mean, this was actually shot really in Cabrini green. This was really shot at the university of Illinois. Like this is all shot reels. Like everything feels authentic and you're going to get something out of it. You know, and and you know, maybe you'll discover like, wow, I actually really enjoyed you know Candyman, even though for years I thought this movie was a piece of trash. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, and and there there are people that are going to say it's an abomination and that it's the worst movie they've ever seen, and you can't reach those people. 
And no matter what you say, they're not going to change their mind. But we would ask you that you reevaluate it. I know a lot of people have been revisiting this film because yep. of the new Candyman that came out in 2021. Yep. And uh, that you know, more on that in, in, in the future. Uh, but I do want to throw this out there. If you are just checking out Candyman for the first time, maybe you've been a fan since the 90s like, like, uh, like I have, send us an email, freakvault at gmail.com. I'd love to hear some thoughts mm-hmm. from the listeners on this one because it's to me it's such a thought-provoking piece. So freakvault, all one word, at gmail.com. And I know we're um, – and I just, just want to throw this out there real quick. Shout out to our loyal listener, Roel Gonzalez. Roel wrote us an email. And um, I don't want to get into the the whole bit because it's actually a quite a lengthy email, but I do want to just give the highlights here real quick. So Roel writes YouTube horror. And what is YouTube, but just a bunch of creepypasta, like Chris was saying, right? <laughs> I mean, some, some of it is unboxings. Some of it's creepypasta. Some of it's both, you know, just throwing it out there. But um, Roel says, hi buddies. Thanks for the shout out last podcast. And then he says, I've been seeing a lot of YouTube horror cartoon shorts if you are not familiar with them, they are about 10-minute long pieces. There is a dedicated YouTube channel for them. And then he gives a description about one that uh, really stuck with him. That is, like I said, uh, Roel, it's good information, but it's it's just too long to read right now on the on the, uh, on the Yeah, pod. forward it to me. I'd like, I, I always love looking yeah, at Yeah, I definitely will. I and, actually uh, had a horror vault. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll talk about it off air. Yeah. But I, I had a, a YouTube horror idea for us. Well, uh, what I would like uh, to say is, Roel, first off, thank you very much for writing in. And secondly, um, if you could send an email with the channel that you're watching these on, that would be that would be great. So we could take a look at them. I would really that that would be wonderful if you could just send that. So, again, uh, Roel and any other listeners, freakvault at gmail.com. I know we don't always remember to do the email, but I made a point because I knew that Roel had written us and I wanted to yeah. wanted to uh, mention it on the air. So please send an email. We'd really yeah, appreciate I'll, it. I'll pop that channel up in the canti- in the old cantina someday. Yeah. Excellent. So one other thing I wanted to throw out there, too, uh, and some of you, this does not matter to you, uh, but I know um, for those of us who, uh, you know, still are collectors and stuff, um, and I know Luke had the uh, Candyman toy. Now, I'm assuming you still have your Candyman. Uh, it is stuff. somewhere like, packed away, but I do have yes. the old McFarlane movie monsters Candyman. It's a very cool yes. figure. So nice. the McFarlane uh, toys, and then it was Nika, you know, who was producing these kind of things. Um, the 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 originals. Um, you know, there was a Freddy Krueger. There was a Jason Voorhees. There was the Ghostface Killer from Scream. Like, uh, there's a Candyman. Like when those things came out. Those were game changers for those of us who like to collect, you know, figures and stuff like that. I mean, there are some, like, I mean, uh, um, the Candyman figure, I mean, spot on, right, kind of thing. And it looks so cool on your shelf. And you got to remember, though, like, we didn't have these. These things didn't exist. You know, it wasn't like those kind of things coming out. So um, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. I know there's uh, some people who are big toy collectors who listen, uh, you know, kind of thing, who would be kind of like, hey, you guys didn't mention the toys. There's not a ton of Candyman toys out there. Can't imagine why. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, it, but the funny part is, and th- this I always found hysterical. Well, they used to market Alien well, and no, no, Toxic no. Avenger and shit. So. Toxic Avenger had a cartoons, though. Right. This, this is the one that gets me. Freddy Krueger children's pajama set. Just saying the man... <sighs> Hey, that's just good branding right there. You're going to sleep? Sleep with the man of your dreams. 
Like, I got every. Well, the best you one was so you don't get slashed. Well, the best one was they had. Um, oh God, they were they were. Uh, it's, it talks about it in uh, Never Sleep Again. There's like they was um, there was condoms with Freddy Krueger on them. There was like all kinds of things that were like bootleg things out there, right? But they said the guy, the, the worst one, because they had the 900 number, but they had a Freddy doll which was not aimed at kids. But then they had Freddy pajamas for little kids, and that 100% was aimed at kids. So, no, there's no... Freddy condom with, I'm your your new boyfriend now, written on the side of it. (laughs) (laughs) On the front of it. That's what it said, right in the front. And then the back... (laughs) I'm just not kidding. Uh, You know, kind of thing. So, anyway... Um, not to get us too far afield. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, they, they, they did make a really cool toy of this. Um, you know, Candyman is not, is not a subject matter that in the modeling community we see too much of, um, just because of what it is, but, but in this, by the same vein, um, there are not a, a plethora of, you know, we'll, we might have a Freddy Krueger here or there, or Jason Voorhees here or there, or maybe a Michael Myers, but there's a lot of as I say, there are certain things that we just don't have a lot of there. There's a lot of Frankenstein and the and the Draculas and stuff like that, but modern horror sometimes is hard kind of thing. Um, you know, and especially when you think about modern horror, quote unquote, you know, put air quotes to the mic, right? When you people talk about modern, and I know it's not modern now, just thirty years ago, they're talking about, you know, Jason Freddie, you know, Michael Myers, okay, fine, Chucky, yeah, right? But then you get to that next wave, it's Pinhead and all the Cenobites. <laughs> and think about it, that's all Clive Barker right there, you know, right? It's Candyman, it's the Ghostface Killer, right, from Scream, which is like, kind of like after this. It's so crazy how you kind of look at these things, but they're all iconic stuff that if you are a horror buff from then, you, you just put a picture of Tony Todd and people are like, Candyman. And then Tony Todd has actually said that after Candyman, he cannot walk through a an airport without people screaming, "It's Candyman! Look, it's Candyman!" Like, oh no way, yeah, yeah. You know that's coming. I mean, the same way I'm sure that like Robert England gets it's, it's Freddy Krueger, like, you know, kind of yeah. thing. But could you imagine that? Like Tony Todd, this you know, classically trained actor, right? And now he's in airports. People are like, "You're Candyman!" Because there's no set. I mean, yes, I understand he's got a hook hand and there's bees. But it's still Tony Todd. You still can see him. So, anyway, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's well worth your time. I'm telling you now, it's it's just a good hour and a half. You'll 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 enjoy it. Watch it. You know you know watch it fully. Don't 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 be distracted. Watch it for reals. Yeah, no, this is a this is a sit down. This is like it doesn't matter. Like if you sit down, like I'm just gonna munch some popcorn through this movie. Ten minutes in, you're just gonna be like ah, you know, it 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 does its magic. It's it's the real thing. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? What else can you say, right? So, just whatever you do, just don't don't go say it in the mirror. That's all I get. Please, we we need yeah. all the listeners we can get. That's all I got to say. Yeah, don't say any of our names in the mirror either. <laughs> or if, if or, I say, if you, I heard if you say hair metal hero five times in a mirror, Chris Tyler will appeal before behind you and really want to clean out your fridge, right? No, I'll just. Is that a euphemism? Yeah, I'll, I'll appear behind you with a can of pink aquanet and a comb. So just get ready. We're gonna tease that shit out, and there'll be and there'll be spandex. So 
And also, don't do, don't do like in, uh, what do you call? Uh, I married a monster from outer space. Bill? Bill? I'm oh. just going to smash through the mirror, take all your cool stuff, and then smash back through the mirror. <laughs> then, like, oh. show up back in my house with all this stuff with blood all over it. Just like, fuck, fuck, call 911. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I thought I could just smash through the mirror. I don't know what I was fucking thinking. You know, I heard I, I heard that the Kool-Aid man also went through the same method acting thing of being, uh, you know, hypnotized. And then they were like, go for it. He's like, what the hell? And he smashed through the wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, the Kool-Aid man's just sitting, chilling in his house, and then he's summoned. Out. He's like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? Take Blood everywhere. The wall. Fuck your wall. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, but- <laughs> oh God! That'll be the Kool Aid name of the Kool Aid Man movie. Fuck your wall. What do you want? <laughs> Rated R. Rated R. <laughs> <laughs> this coming this uh, Groundhog Day. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.